This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Actually, during the time of the homily, I am very much listening as well. I'm looking at the face of the people. I'm trying to create a communion as we are one body. You know, the homily is part of that communion of being one body during the Mass. Welcome to Preach, a podcast from America Media on the art of Catholic preaching. I'm your host, Ricardo de Silva, a Jesuit priest from South Africa, associate editor at America Media in New York, and an associate pastor at the Church of St. Francis Xavier in New York City. In each episode, we take you into the minds and hearts of some of the finest preachers in the Catholic Church. We listen to their homilies, learn what makes them great, and draw inspiration to keep preaching the good news. This week on Preach, I'm joined by Yunan Frédéric. Yunan is a French Syriac Catholic priest married to a Latina American with three children and they live in Bethlehem, close by the Nativity Church. Yunan, welcome to Preach. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you here. You're certainly our first priest who is not of the Roman Rite. And I'm really excited to get into conversation with you about preaching in the Syriac Catholic Church. Just to set the context a little, you're usually preaching in Bethlehem in Arabic. So we've asked you to preach in English. We're also preaching for the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, which is not a feast in the Syriac Catholic Church. We've asked you to preach on those readings because you're a father of a family and you're living in Bethlehem in a country that is presently at war. Yes, correct. The situation is not easy, but you know, the light of Christ, the light of Christmas is with us in our hearts. So we are praying every day for peace and forgiveness. Can you tell me a little bit about the community that you serve in Bethlehem? We are a tiny community. Actually, we are the, the smallest community. In Bethlehem, there's only 25 families, which is about 100 people. And in the Holy Land, altogether, about 100 families. And all those people are descendants of refugees that escaped our chase out of Turkey in 1915 during the massacres that occurred against the Armenians. And the Syriac church was also hardly impacted by those massacres. Have you always lived in Bethlehem? I was born in France. I come from the mountains, mm. from the Alps. But I've been living in the Middle East for about 20 years now, first in Syria and then in Jerusalem for 15 years. And uh, I've been now the parish priest here in Bethlehem since two years. Well, I certainly want to hear more about the Syriac Catholic Church, and we'll leave that for the conversation after the homily. But I wonder if you can set up for us your understanding of this feast and the readings that you're preaching on in your homily. Sure. So the Feast of the Holy Family, and there's a beautiful text, the Gospel, about the presentation of Jesus in the temple. 
this very inspiring time in the life of Christ. So my preaching will mainly focus on that text, but also the first reading is about Abraham, God telling him that he will bear a son, Isaac, to fulfill the promise of having descendants. So I also drew my inspiration from that text and always sample. St. Paul is so important in the Syriac tradition that the letter of St. Paul's, not only the one of the day, but in general, are always part of my homilies. Hmm. You have a family yourself. Tell us a little bit about your family. Well, as you mentioned, my wife is from San Antonio, Texas, and she's a Latino American. We met in Syria when I was a novice monk in a monastery before my final vows, and I didn't pronounce my vows, obviously, because I decided instead to be married. I should say, your wife is Stephanie Saldana, who's written some incredible articles for America Magazine, and so I want to direct our listeners to americamagazine.org, where they can read so much of her wonderful journalism of the experience of people in the Holy Land. Yeah, so we came here after we got married. We came here and uh, we started our life here in the Holy Land. And for today we have three kids. The biggest one is 16 years old. His name is Joseph. And uh, Sebastian is 13 years old. And my little daughter, Carmel, is eight years old. So we're all living in Bethlehem today with the blessing of the Holy Land in our family. Well, we're about to receive an extra blessing, the blessing of your preaching. I'm looking forward to hearing your homily. We will now hear Yunan Frederick's homily for the Solemnity of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, especially recorded for preach. Today is the Feast of the Holy Family. In the Gospel, we can see Joseph and Mary carrying the child Jesus, going to the temple according to the Jewish tradition. And there, they meet with Simeon, to whom God revealed that he will not die before seeing the Messiah. We can picture Joseph, Mary, and Jesus entering the temple in a spirit of prayer and sanctity. On this day of the Feast of the Holy Family, through meditating on this scene, the Church is reminding us that a family is a sacred place of sanctity. The Church reminds us that sanctity is not reserved to a specific state of life, a religious life, an ascetic life when one must withdraw away from the world if he wants to find God. The family is as well a sacred place of sanctity. St. Paul through his various letters, is constantly reminding the faithful of their sanctity, encouraging each one of them to embrace this reality, the reality of welcoming Christ in us and being sanctified by our communion with him. We have this famous passage in the first letter to the Corinthians when he says that each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them just as God has called them. And when he advises the faithful to be all as he was, meaning to remain in the state of celibacy, we have to put back those words in the context of Paul, at that time being convinced that Christ will come back very soon. 
Therefore, there was no time to build a family in such a situation. But the main point is not this one. I think that the main point is the fact that each one of us is called to be a saint. As Simple says, each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. As well as it is written in the Gospel of John, my father's house has many rooms. Yes, each one of us is called to be sent. As being a saint is not to be an exceptional person, it is not reserved to a specific elite, but this is the gift of God given by God to all. In that regard, we need to resist the temptation of thinking that sanctity is unreachable and only the ones with a special destiny manage to reach the summit of the mountain. Very often, indeed, when we think of the saints, we see them that way. And then we look at ourselves, thinking that sanctity is not for us, as we have nothing exceptional, but we are just simple human beings. But we are all called to be saints, as we are all loved by God. And sanctity starts with our family, as family is the first church. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus praying in the temple is like an icon of this sanctity present in us, as Christ is here in our lives. This Feast of the Holy Family was instituted in 1921. As before that, the term family was not only restricted to the parents and their children, it was including relatives as uncles, aunts, and cousins, as well as all the people who were living together in the same house. It is interesting today to meditate on that ancient conception of what the term family meant, as we often face a huge temptation, the temptation of closing in on ourselves, as to protect ourselves, to protect our family nucleus for any bad influences. The temptation of thinking that the outside world is a threat to our sanctity, and therefore the secular world or the influence of the non-Christians or of the Christians who are different from us is often perceived as a negative for our life. But Jesus asked not to be afraid. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overthrow it. The light of Christ shining in us is to be shared. Sharing here is a key word, a key to the door of love, because the world is the very place where we share the love of God, where we share the good news of love being stronger than darkness and death. To share it with the ones we love and the ones we have difficulty loving, to share it with our neighbors, as well as with the strangers that we meet throughout our days, to share it with our friends, as well as with our enemies to love without conditions as God loves us. Of course, God speaks to us in the world. We go in the world not only to give, but also to receive, to witness God's presence in our friends and neighbors, in the beauty of nature, indeed, in all things. By remaining open, we somehow extend our conception of what family is. We found also in the story of Abraham, the conception of a larger family. When he started worshipping the one and unique God, his entire family became faithful believers with him. At the beginning, 
the worshippers of the one and a unique creating God were from Abraham's family. Then, with Moses, it extended to a people composed of different tribes. Today, in our reading of the Gospel, we have the figure of Simeon, who, when he sees Jesus, says, The salvation which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of the people Israel. Yes, to the coming of Jesus Christ, God reveals his love for each human being. If we often talk about our chosen family, that is also because in light of our faith, our family is not limited to brothers and sisters, parents and children. In fact, Pope Francis chose the word fraternal, which is the language of family, to talk about how we should love everyone, whether it is migrants arriving or people of other faith. To live with Christ, is to love with him the family he chose. And the family he chose is the entire humanity. The question is not, does God love me and is he offering me his graces and gift to live a holy and sanctified life? But am I open to receive the gifts and graces that God is offering to each one of us? To share God's light of life, as well as to better discover who God is to the presence of the others. The Holy Family, going to the temple reminds us that our very first church is our family. Our planet Earth is our home. We are all children of God, and each of us is called to be a saint. Yes, God loves each one of us in a beautiful and absolute way. In God, there is no preferred child because each is loved in a unique way. That was Yunan Frederick for Preach. After the break, we'll speak with Yunan about how the lives and experiences of his family and his congregation shape his homilies and create a truly communal experience during the liturgy. Welcome back to Preach. Yunan, thank you for your homily. You have such a gentle tone. It really is welcoming and inviting. And I'd like to begin our conversation by talking a little bit about your approach to the homily. You know, when we were preparing for this conversation, you reminded me that you preach in Arabic usually, and we've asked you to preach in English. You preach to a pretty small community, and right now you're preaching just to me. Talk me through, you know, what does it look like for you usually when you are delivering a homily and how do you feel that that helps you to deliver the best homily you can? There is all the time of preparation, of course. Often I start at the beginning of the week on the Monday. I start reading, of course, the readings of the Sunday and I pray with those readings. I pray with them and, and, and I'm listening. I'm listening to God sharing his light. <laughs> I'm listening to the Holy Spirit who is present in our prayers all the time. How do you pray? I mean, I know prayer is a very specific thing, but just wondering if the way that you pray might help somebody. You know, how do you pray very specifically? For me, well, there is the traditional Syriac prayer, which is text that you're reading. So that's one of the kind of prayer I'm doing, of course, every day in the morning noon and in the evening, but my personal prayer, there's a key word to my personal prayer. 
the key word is to say to God, you are here. And I know you're here. I don't feel you maybe most of the time, actually. But I know you're here. I know you're here and I know that you're listening to me. And I know that you're talking to me. And so that's really from where I start. This is essential to say you and to hear or to receive uh, a you from God as well. Mm. Silence has a very important role here, not for me to put myself and to occupy the entire space with my reality, but to kind of withdraw and leave an open space for God to be. How did that you come to you in this particular homily? As you said, you, God, and heard God saying, you, Yunnan, where was the core of that? At one point, there is the silence, and then I start preaching. I start preaching, believing that God's presence is inspiring my small words. Hmm. It's like a draft, but like main, very often, the main idea is coming out, hmm. like the, the base of, of what I want to share. And so I start preaching with a high voice, mm -hmm. alone in the church. Wow. <laughs> I preach to a community which is not here. And by daring to do that, I'm discovering what I'm saying. Mm. You know, and I'm not thinking it so much. I'm kind of letting it come out, letting it taking shape, letting the words becoming flesh through the words. Mm. So tell me specifically in the Syriac Catholic Church. I don't know very much about the Syriac Catholic Church, and we could be here a long time, I'm sure, but you know, what are the key differences? <laughs> and specifically, though, how does preaching differ in the Syriac rite as opposed to the Roman rite? Well, I am born Latin. I'm born a Roman Catholic, and I studied my theology with the Salesians. Mm. So I was, even though I, I belong to the Syriac Church, the way I preach is a Catholic way of preaching. There's something beautiful about the tradition of preaching in the Syriac church is that in the past, some of the homilies were sung. Hmm. They were singing the homilies. And in fact, the entire mass is sung. It's like a concert. <laughs> and that's beautiful. And this rite is amazing for that. It's really a concert that everyone is sharing as one voice, you know, praising God with all the angels. Hmm. This is how we, we perceive it. One of the main differences, we as a Catholic Syriac, we have one foot in the Syriac Church and the other foot in the Orthodox Church. What does that mean? We have the foot in the Catholic Church because we follow the Pope and we have the dogma of the Catholic Church. But on the other foot in the Orthodox Syriac Church because the entire tradition, the entire spirituality is Syriac. The tradition of the Syriac is an Aramaic language. The language as was spoken by Christ. It's a Semitic language. So we have a complete different religious culture and traditions, which is nourishing us and which is beautiful to be discovered. One of the main differences that I often quote, and this is not only true for the Syriac, it's also true for the Oriental churches as well, is that we don't have Jesus Christ on the cross. We have a cross of resurrection a cross which is spent with flowers, with tongue of fires. We have Christ on the cross for the icons when we want to represent the crucifixion, but we insist very much on the resurrection, not so much on the suffering of Christ 
And this is a very important point. Hmm. The temptation was very big in the Roman church to make of that suffering of Christ the royal way to God. Without suffering, no God. As I was sharing in the sermon today, there were special conditions to be with God. Of course, God is here in our suffering, but God is here in our joy. God is here in every detail of our life. Resurrection is everywhere. Hmm. And man was redeemed is in entire body and soul. It means that not only in his suffering. So when I say that we insist much on the resurrection, I think that's a, a way of saying that God is here in the sacred space of our life. And I think that really comes in in your homily, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that when you're preaching about the saintliness of the Holy Family and our pursuit for sanctity as God's people, you're really preaching about that vision that God has for us, which is a vision of resurrection beyond sin, beyond the suffering, that we are united with God. Yes, yes. And, you know, we are living a very difficult time today in Bethlehem and in the Holy Land with all the war happening. And we can say that we are from morning to evening and throughout the night, life is difficult. But then when this beautiful sentence of St. Paul when the sin is abundant, grace of God is surabundant. Even more, yeah. It's greater, mm-hmm. yeah. And in, in that way, we deeply believe that we have those moments of grace coming throughout our days. And we are drinking at the source. They are nourishing us. They are nourishing us not to escape the world. They are nourishing us to be able to live those difficulties, to share with others that there is something else. The presence of God is here right now, wherever we are, especially in the difficult time. So how do you find that resurrection, right? And especially to bring that resurrection into your preaching, how do you find it in your own life? It's, I think the question is very wide because I can find it in the very simple, more insignificant details of the daily life. It can be the smile of my neighbor in the street or, you know, it can be just uh, looking at the nature as a tree. It can be as looking at a painting or finding a sentence in a book. or It comes out everywhere. Like the entire creation is like a transpiration of Christ's presence. And I really nourish myself from the simple life mm. with meeting others in silence and with every details of life, I think is carrying something. So it's really a matter of, I was saying before, kind of letting the free space, mm. an empty space for welcoming the grace of God in that space. And then the the grace of God comes from millions and millions of ways (laughs) for each one of us. Let's talk about a way that's pretty unique to you, right? And not the experience of many in the Roman Rite. We've had one married Catholic priest in the Roman Rite who preached for us earlier in the season. But I wonder if you can talk about how your family helps your preaching. Well, there's a very interesting point here is that I always share when I prepare my sermon, I share them with my wife and I invite her to comment or to also be part of this moment. And I welcome her as much as I can, her Mm -hmm. insights. And often I quote her, you know, during my sermon, I said, ah, it's my wife. (laughs) So it's really, she's part of my sermons. She's part of my sermons. And that's a beautiful 
it's a grace for us as you know it's really feeling that we are one flesh that's a gift for me because it's enriching my spiritual life to have such a relationship in that frame you know what is the most important thing to you about preaching you know you said that when you're preparing to preach you say you and you wait for that you back what do you do before you stand in front of your congregation well there are some important attitudes that i discovered first of all to be gentle this is very important not to be like a teacher or to be like someone who knows better than the others or who is telling people who don't know you know it's like working with a friend you know and talking together i said talking together because i'm the only one talking obviously but not really actually during the time of the homily i am very much listening as well i am looking at the face of the people i'm trying to create a communion as we are one body and the homily is part of that communion of being one body during the mass and you're using your body as well your physical body <laughs> yes the semitic languages uh, are languages which are very physical let's say and the expression of your face but also the expression of your entire body and your hands and and sometimes i'm singing in the middle of the homily and it's a full expression without taking the entire space mm. again in the frame of a communion with the people and very often we are afraid of that if there is a sound or a child crying in the church during a homily we <gasps> we froze and we look and we say oh can you just put the child out of the church <laughs> i hate that <laughs> and actually learning to go with the reality of the people because it's nourishing mm. it's nourishing the time and it's very often the opportunity to have a, a good even a joke with people absolutely or a kind of moment of communion with what's happening during the homily I mean, it's one of the joys of preaching at a mass with many children, right? When you direct a question at the children, you often get a response that you're not expecting, but that just makes that homily perfect. There's just yeah. this, there's something to the responses that come from children that really inspire the best in us. Yes, yes, yes. And not only with children, also with members of the congregation. Where do you think that the listeners of this podcast largely those of the roman rite priests deacons lay preachers many of whom don't have a family how do you think that they can bring a similar experience to their preaching as you receive from your own family yes i think that the church is a communion of faithful and the body of christ as in a communion of faithful as well and i think it's in that communion of faithful that is nourishing us not to just be on ourselves but to really try to listen what others are telling us are sharing us i think that for example when i have a, a sermon i'm sharing a theological ideas and every priest is able to do that with some of his parishioners or even non-parishioners and to have a discussion that will enrich his own reflection and be able to share it during the sermon i'm thinking about your present situation living in bethlehem a place so important for the holy family and thinking about the situation of so many children especially at this time how do you think we can preach a message for the holy family that is sensitive 
to what you are living in your day-to-day? I deeply believe in the communion of prayer. What's happening today with the suffering of the children is from the beginning of the problems of the dramatic conflict here, reminded us of Herod's killing the kids, you know, the massacres of the innocent. This is a drama that we are today carrying in our hearts and in our souls. And I deeply believe that through prayers, just by not escaping what's happening, but really fully being aware of what's happening and then carrying it into our prayers, that makes a huge impact. That's bringing life to the people here. We often uh, receive phone calls and letters from people from all over the world. And every time we also, we have some people visiting us, uh, journalists and other persons. And every time I can see that in those moments of difficulty, it has a huge impact. But I deeply believe also that people praying for us is really, really nourishing our life here. And I will ask for people to pray for everyone in this country, not only for the people in Bethlehem, for every single being in that country. You know, there is something at the beginning of the conflict that occurs to me when I was in my Syriac tradition praying to God and saying, oh God, forgive us. When I was saying us, I was including everyone. I was putting myself with the one who kills. And I was taking the one who killed into myself as well, as one family, one human family. God forgive us. Again, that was a very important insight, I thought, in what you shared in your homily, one that I hadn't really heard in this context, right? So this idea of a universal call to holiness, how we should not be afraid or closed off from the world and peoples. It sounds like it might be inspired by what you're living through at this time where there is so much fear of the other. But talk us through how that came into your homily. This is something I'm carrying those days. Actually, my homilies are very much made of my spiritual reality or what I am living in the deepest of myself. I try as much as I can to share that. So this is very what God is you know, sharing with me. Where am I? Where am I in my life? And what the situation is around, what is the situation of the parishioners? How are we feeling today? So this is all this reality that is nourishing us and that nourishes my reflections about what you mentioned, that God is always here and he's loving us and he's giving us his graces in those difficult times. So it's really the fruit of the reality we are experiencing right now that I try to express through my sermons or my homilies here. Yunan, thank you for your time. Know of our prayers from here for all the people of the land where you are, praying for a place of peace, especially at Christmas, or at least as much peace as is possible in these times, and for God's protection and healing on all. Thank you. Thank you for having us and for praying. Pray for us. We will indeed. Thank you for listening to Preach. You can find the readings and a link to Yunnan's homily in our show notes.
This podcast is made possible by the generous support of the Compelling Preaching Initiative, a project of Lilly Endowment, Inc. Preach is produced by me and Maggie Van Dorn. This episode is produced by Sebastian Gomes. Kevin Christopher Robles and Michael O'Brien offered production assistance. Frank Tucson is our audio engineer and designed the theme score and composed original music for the show. We recorded in the William J. Loeschitz Studio in New York City. If you've heard a great homily recently or know of a great preacher you'd like to recommend for the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. The link is in the show notes. You can also follow me on X and Instagram at RickDSSJ. That's R-I-C-D-S-S-J. Also, during this season, we would like to hear from you, our loyal Preach listeners. There is a survey, if you click on the link in the show notes, where you can tell us what you love about our show, what you find less helpful, and what you would still like to hear more of on our show. Please just click on that link and let us know. Did you know that American Media can deliver a new scripture reflection to your inbox every day? If you're already a digital subscriber, they're probably in your inbox. If not, become a digital subscriber today for just $5.99 a month. It's the best way to support our work here on Preach. The link is in the show notes. For American Media, I'm Ricardo De Silva. Until next time, keep preaching the good news and Merry Christmas.